0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Canon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Mathieu, Matthew, joined alongside me. My good buddy and co host from BucksNation dot com, Evan Wanish, joining us on the show this week. Very good friend of the pod. Pleasure to have him back, Mr. Gene Thomas from Buck What You Heard, one of the OG Tampa Bay Buccaneer podcasts around town. Boys, how we feeling?
2: I'm doing good. Uh, you know, happy to happy to finally have Gene back on. He's called in a few times when we've done our call in shows and uh finally happy to uh to 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 have him on here. Gene, how you doing? Hey.
0: Guys, I'm glad to be on here. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, I love your show. You guys put out some really good content and I like that it's, it's balanced and it's not, you know, rah, rah or, you know, putting everything down. So I appreciate what you guys are doing. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just glad to be here. Uh, happy overreaction Tuesday. And, uh, I'm sure we will have some discussions on that.
1: Yeah, we always try to, you know, shoot people straight on this show. We've never tried to mislead our listeners by any stretch of the imagination. We never want to come on here and and like you said, it's okay to be rah-rah. Like I think there's entertainment yeah. value in rah-rah. I, I I personally do not want to listen to a podcast or a show that does not like the team that they are talking about. But again, like you said, this is an interesting year just because Not only the attention that has shifted from the team, but the expectations that have now shifted from the Tom Brady era to now what we call, uh, I guess, the Baker Mayfield era until it isn't. But, Gene, let me ask you this. We spent a lot of time on Sunday afternoon breaking down the game and a lot of things the Bucs did well. But, you know, since then, we've had a little more time to watch the game again. Some more things have come out. People have watched film and we've had a little more time to digest what that week one performance for Tampa Bay actually looked like in the grand scheme right. of, of how this season is going to play out. So, Gene, let me ask you first and foremost, what are your thoughts on the week one game and where this Bucks team is right now?
0: Um, my theme from the beginning from, you know, preseason has been cautiously optimistic. And and I don't think the Bucs have really let me down. I've seen uh, market improvement from the game against the Steelers up until right now, we've continuously saw improvement The we're not talking about turnovers. This will not be a conversation that we have in the show. Uh, We're not talking about penalties. I mean, what are you talking about 19 yards in penalties? I mean, the bucks have done what they needed to do to, to get the win. And then, you know, we, we haven't, you know, we talk about the turnovers that they, the defense give has given the bucks. Uh, I think, if you if you think in the grand scheme, I guess if you look at this, this is game four of the preseason, uh, prior to uh the changeup that we had where we've gone to three preseason games. So basically, to me, this is the first game that we've gotten to see all the starters working together, all the starters doing what they need to do to become a cohesive unit throughout the season. And we've gotten to see uh we've gotten to see gameplay from people that, you know, in the offseason, we weren't even mentioning their names because they weren't on the team. I mean, you you look at the touchdown, um, the wide, well, who is our wide receiver that just, who, helped me out here. I'm, Trey Palmer. Trey Palmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, touchdown, Trey Palmer. We would not, if you if you go back to March, we weren't even talking about Trey Palmer. Trey Palmer was not part of this conversation. Uh, Cody Mock, not a, not a part of the conversation, but here we have guys that have been drafted. They've come in and they're contributing to this team. And these are young guys too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've, you've got quite a youth movement going on right now with the Buccaneers. So it's it's encouraging. And it's just, it, for me, it's hard to find negatives. Um, I will take this as a starting point, And then we'll go through the next six games and see what you have consistent. And I, I think I encourage fans to do that. I don't encourage fans to say, oh, okay, we won this game, we're going to go undefeated. We can't do that. We can't look at this team like that. We can look at the positives and we can look at the negatives and say, hey, where have you improved on this? And I know we're going to have bumps in the roads because this is still a new offensive coordinator and this is still a new offensive scheme, but I really believe that this offense will eventually complement what we saw on defense.
2: Yeah, I think you bring up a lot of good points, especially about the, you know, after week 1 it's, it is funny uh i we mentioned on our our post game show there was a caller and they asked about, uh, they said, okay, do you think it'd be a success of the Bucs? You know, just barely make the playoffs or it was like a deep playoff run. And I just started laughing. I was like, you know, it's two weeks ago. It was, oh, the Bucs are going to be getting Caleb Williams and this and that. Mm. And now, you know, one win later. And it's, how yeah. deep of a playoff run can they have? <laughs> so, it's uh, it's always <laughs> important to remember, like, you can enjoy the win for sure and absolutely enjoy the win. But at the same time, it's one of 17. And if they lose the other 16, it doesn't matter. Now, they probably won't lose the other 16. They, they're not going to lose all of them, but they're also not going to win all of them either. So uh, I do think it, it's important to celebrate the win and be happy a, oh, about yeah. it. But like at the same time, you know, stay a little bit level-headed that like there's going to be, especially with, like you said, a young team, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of frustrating points at, at, at certain points mm-hmm. in the season. Well, well, the
1: fact that the Bucks are such a young team is honestly one of my favorite talking points about this season. You know, the youth movement reliance along this this roster. We talked about all the things that are going to have to go well for the Bucks, and a majority of them stem from just sheer inexperience. How are these guys going to do when you talk about both sides of the trenches, right? It's young, young depth on the defensive line. They rotated in and out. They looked fresh and I like the way that they were used. Hopefully we can see Kalijah can bounce back and become a factor later on in the season. On the offensive line, we talk about the inexperience. You know, shout out to Cody Malk went out there and played 100% of the snaps on Sunday after showing up with the back injury on the injury report. But, you know, the cohesive unit of that offensive line is yet to be determined in the long term because we've seen them play one game and not look awful. Uh, it was definitely a rough first half. Don't get me wrong. I think oh, yeah. Daniel Hunter uh, did a lot of damage to Luke Gedeke and, and certainly brought him up to speed for where he's going to be Uh, As far as the pass rushers, he's going to be facing the next couple of weeks. But, you know, those guys have to build consistency.
0: If I could could jump in here real quick, when you talk about the offensive line, um, I want to give props to the defensive coordinator and the play calling that he was doing against this offensive line. I think that gets lost in the sauce. When we talk about oh Luke Getteki is trash and let's get rid of him, let's go out in the free agency and get somebody else. You got to look at what what the defensive coordinator was seeing and what he was trying to call against this offensive line. Who again? I don't. I think this may be the first game where they've all played together. And I, again, and this is not making excuses. I'm just looking at this. You know, ten thousand. You know, ten thousand miles in the air, looking down. This is what I'm seeing. That these guys. They did pretty good, and they continued to improve as the season, as the game progressed. It wasn't like, oh, they were trashed throughout the whole game. They had their bumps in the road, but for the most part, they did what they needed to
1: do. The noticeable adjustment between the first half offense and the second half offense is really what I think we do need to give Dave Canales credit for. Mm-hmm. Todd Bowles even Absolutely. praised him in the post game, saying that, you know, the work he did making adjustments in the second half for that offense to go out there and do just enough to win the game I mean, clearly it worked. You know, this is an inexperienced offensive unit, and uh, what they were able to do in the second half, we can talk about how well Baker Mayfield played and how well everyone else stepped up, but just like you said, a lot of it has to go back and do with with coaching, with how he put those guys in a situation to go out there and succeed. Minnesota took away a lot of the play action from Tampa Bay in that first half. I mean, they pinned their ears back, And that pressure was getting there. You know, Baker did not look comfortable until right around the third quarter. I mean, that last drive of the first half when the Bucs ran the two-minute ultimately wind up with the score. You know, but it it took them a little time to settle in. And, yeah, it's going to take a few more weeks. We talk about the growing pains. But um, I like a lot of what I've seen so far with Dave Canales. Before this game, he was checking all the boxes. And now when the Bucs are in a situation where – hey, this isn't working for us. We're forced to make some adjustments here. Canales has already proved that he's capable of doing that. Is it going to win them games every week? We have yet to find out. But the fact that we have already seen him put an effort into changing how this team looks over two halves of football, I mean, it's it's much more of a welcome change for people who did not see the same thing with Byron Leftwich after however many seasons he was here.
2: Yeah, I, I I think you're you're seeing a, a big difference there. And really, I mean, you know, it's not like Dave Canales was some you know, highly sought after you know offensive coordinator candidate. But this is why they hired him in Tampa Bay. Like like that's the the reason why why you do that. Um. So, you know, I I do think it is important uh, for for the adjustments that he made. It's something that uh, Bugs fans have been screaming for, right? For, I mean, I mean even past even before Byron Leftwich. Like this this wasn't just a Byron Leftwich thing. Um. Um, it was, it, but before that too, when the Bucks were really struggling, when they just also didn't have the talent, it was more frustrating when they had the talent and the offense w- wouldn't make adjustments because of the coaching staff. Then you know, back in 2018, 2017, some of those teams just didn't have enough talent, and the coaches not making adjustments is a bad recipe. <laughs> but uh, for Dave Canales, you know, he has lost some talent on the offensive side of the ball. Russell Gage going down, a lot of the offensive line reshuffling. I, I still think they they did downgrade a quarterback like i know a lot of people are going to say well tom brady wasn't that great last year i still think it's a downgrade a quarterback so it is a little bit of a loss of talent, but the coaching makes up for that, and and I think you saw that on Sunday. Like you said, Rhett, is it going to work every single time? Don't know. Probably not, because that defensive coordinator is also going to be adjusting, and sometimes it's not going to work. The adjustments that you make, that defensive coordinator is going to zig when you zag, and it's not going to work out. But um, for for the, you know the game on Sunday, it it, it did
1: continuing the topic on this young offensive line I kind of wanted to focus more into some things during the game that may not have gone as well as we would have hoped but in this particular example I feel like it may be overblown just a bit Uh, I've seen a bit of data going around that's been shared among Bucks groups and it says something along the lines of Rashad White finished with negative forty yards below expectation. Uh, Sean Tucker had minus five, which was a bottom five ranking in the NFL compared to other rookies who who made their start that day, or something like that. Some convoluted, like you know, very cherry picked sounding stat. But I wanted to get your thoughts, Gene, on the run game because a lot of people have said that that was a weakness for the Bucks. But for Week One, when we talk about building something for the season. I know Rashad White left a little bit to be desired, and that first half, again, was rough. The offensive line wasn't opening a lot of lanes. Their longest run of the day was six yards. That's not going to cut it. But they did get over 75 yards rushing and the win. So are you concerned with where this run game is right now? Do you think they have a couple of weeks to get better? uh, Or do you think things are as grim as some people would like to make them seem right now?
0: I think people are overreacting. As As I mentioned, this is overreaction week. And uh, again, when I when I watch Rashad White and I'll watch what he did, I watch uh, Sean Tucker. I watch what he did. Uh, I, I will say this: the Buccaneers are committed to the run, and this makes the defense have to really respect this because Rashad White is just one missed tackle away from taking it to the house. Uh, Tucker has has opportunities to he turn ten yards into twenty yards, and and it's just again, this is week one. These are the first. This is the first time these guys are all playing together, and my expectations are market improvement going into the next next week. Um, I, I really have a lot of trust in this this uh, running game. I like what I've seen from the offensive coordinator. I just uh, again we need consistency, and you, that's where this is a starting block, starting point. And this is where you start building that right here. And again, I, I believe they're going to come out and and you know this is their opportunity to come out and silence the critics as they go on. I know it's, like I said, not every game is going to be the best, but they've set something out there right now. Uh, The play action looked good at times. And uh, there were times, I mean, you saw Baker Mayfield making plays with his legs. Um, This is what we, uh, this is what I expected from him. If, you know, we were looking at the true Baker. And I do want to take one moment to say Baker Mayfield exceeded my expectations because, when he was down and they were just like hammering him and he couldn't get on track in the first half, they stuck with the plan, stuck with the process and kept going and going into the uh, second half, things really changed up for him. And it's a breath of fresh air to see an offensive coordinator who's willing to make adjustments. He's not gonna take that that square peg and stick it in a round hole and you know try to make it work. He's actually seeing what's going on. Hey, you know, I know what you can do. Let's do this. Let's make these adjustments. And we saw it. It was obvious that they had made adjustments from the first half to the second half. And lastly, I hate Byron Leftwoods even more after watching this offensive coordinator through preseason up to now. I dislike that guy even more just because of his stubbornness and not willing to to try to do that. But again, that may be how he's wired. I don't know, but it just It was frustrating last year, but it's a breath of fresh air to see that this year.
1: I'm glad you brought up Baker Mayfield because that's actually the next thing I wanted to ask you. What are your thoughts on Baker? You already said he exceeded your week one expectations, as he did mine. I know when someone looks at the at at the box score and they look at Baker's numbers for the day and they say, oh, he only threw for two touchdowns and two hundred something yards, it's kind of a pedestrian day. But when you look at what the offense was faced with and the situation they were put into during this game, the box score doesn't tell you everything that went down. And like you said, that was a rough first half for Tampa Bay's mm-hmm. offense. So the fact that they were able yeah. to make uh, chicken salad out of chicken s, if you will, in that second <laughs> half and ultimately win the game goes a long way. But I will say that, you know, this quarterback battle was fun if you want to call it a QB battle, that's a conversation for another day. But you know, I was kind of back and forth like Baker. He's an easy guy to root for. Don't get me wrong. I'm a, I'm a Gators fan. So a small part of me wanted to see Kyle Trask exceed a lot of people's expectations, but it is what it is. He's not that guy this year. So be it. I'm not torn up about it. Uh, But Baker, 110% won me over when he lowered the stiff arm on that defensive, uh, defensive back pushed him out of bounds and said that he needs to hit the weight room, get his weight back up. I mean, the way that this guy has, has shown his ability to just, to just get down and play football. Like, I I mean, I never would have imagined Tom Brady scrambling for the first down. I mean, we did see it a few times, but Tom Brady stiff arming a guy out of his way while scrambling for the first down. in what is potentially, you know, uh, a game deciding third and two, like yeah. that, I I have a lot of respect for him, and that's what people have been telling us about Baker. Like we've got some Baker fans who watch the podcast, and they say, "Listen, you're going to be excited with the moxie that this guy brings, the attitude in which he plays the game, you know, the the swagger that he has attached to himself." He's an idiot. Zero easy turnovers. That, Let's we, yeah. we
0: got to talk about it. Zero zero, zero turnovers,
1: turnovers. Pretty clean game. I know Robert Hainsy had that holding penalty, a couple of other odd penalties here and there, but. You know, a far cry from the discipline issues we thought we were going to have after that first preseason game against the Steelers. Uh, But let me ask you, Gene. You know, are you are you on the Baker train yet? Are you are you waiting around to see how this thing plays out? Because I know with where he is right now, he's so polarizing that eventually, if and when he starts to play bad, people are going to jump off of this ship. But I mean, as of right now, I'm excited with where we are and and really where this team can continue to build this offense into.
0: I'm cautiously optimistic. and I remember Baker in Cleveland. I remember watching him as he as he grew as a NFL player and you saw glimpses, but you know, there was never that consistency. So I'm excited for this. I think he's got the right offensive coordinator that can put him in the best places to to really succeed. Uh, I and again, I kind of go back to that first half and the old Baker, he would have been on the sidelines pouting or, you know, just not into the game. But this Baker Mayfield right here, he came out. He said, we got another half to go. Let's make this work. And and that's what we saw from him. These are the little things that not everybody's looking at. But I'm, I'm looking at his demeanor as he's coming off the sidelines, talking to the offensive coordinator, talking to the coach. And he didn't, you didn't see give up that it, whatever you saw from him, his uh, behavior was not, we're giving up. His behavior was okay. Let's put that behind us. Let's go out here and we're going to try this again. And eventually everything started working for him. So I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I just, I know that we're going to have that one Bucks life game that, that Bucks fans are used to at least once a year. And, uh, you know, how he rebounds from that. But I love where we started. And we just have to continue to see market improvement as the season progresses.
2: Yeah, you mentioned, you know, Baker Mayfield's uh, inconsistencies in Cleveland. And the two things that I mentioned a lot in the offseason when we were talking about the quarterback battle and stuff. And like I said, the reason he's not in Cleveland anymore, the reason he's not in Carolina anymore, like the reason he's not in L.A., is because of two things. One, he did deal with some injuries in in Cleveland, his shoulder a little bit. Uh, really uh, was only really fully healthy, maybe one or two years. It was time in exactly. Cleveland. And then the other was the inconsistency. Uh, you would see it wasn't like a Jameis Winston type where there'd be a you know, wow plays and then bonehead plays, but there'd be some games where he'd look like a, a good NFL quarterback. Right. And then there'd be some games where it's like, can this guy even, you know, take you anywhere. So I do think the consistency and, You didn't see it much in the first half, but like it was it was technically consistent, consistently bad, mostly uh, in the first half and missed a few throws. But then he settled in. And and like you said, it could have gone the other way, though. Yeah, It, It could have gone the exact opposite way. Let's say they don't score before halftime there you know, do they come out of the half and the offense still looks just lost. It, it could have gone the other way instead, you know, that they, they buckled down and then even like they take the lead 17-10, to Vikings respond 17-17. Could have gone down that way too. Like, like the offenses yeah. could have gone right into a shell, but instead you know, they continue to attack Baker Mayfield, Todd Bulls with a couple critical decisions there to go for on the fourth down. Baker Mayfield was some nice plays and they were able to get the W. So, I mean, and I mentioned this on the, the post game show like will that be enough to win every game this season no because i think you're going to be playing some teams that aren't going to turn the ball over three times right in in one half of football but it was good enough to win on sunday and when you have an offense with a brand new offensive coordinator a brand new quarterback and that offensive coordinator isn't just the new offensive coordinator for your team it's the first time he's ever calling plays in the nfl so a brand new quarterback, reshuffled offensive line. You already lost your starting center. You lost your starting third wide receiver. Your running backs are still inexperienced. Like you, you take that offensive performance in week one while you're still trying to work out the kinks there.
1: Yeah, by all means, twenty points a week is is not going to beat a lot of teams in the NFL. We saw right. it happen with the Bucks in twenty twenty two. But another thing, you know, that is a big difference for the Bucks in twenty two compared to twenty three. Going back to that quarterback position. You had mentioned the miscues from Baker Mayfield in that first half. And and these are not the same excuses we're going to be able to make eight, nine weeks from now if Baker is still your starter. Um, but, you know, the offensive line kind of, kind of getting settled in. Baker Mayfield getting settled in. We said it took him a couple of quarters, clearly, to look fully comfortable and committed in that pocket as a passer. Um, it, stuff like that is going to take a little bit of time. But as far as Baker Mayfield goes... I think folks might need to not get ready, but expect definitely a couple more miscues per game because Baker Mayfield, while he is a fine quarterback in the system and we are talking a lot about how Dave Canales can play into his strengths, he is not a pocket passer like Tom Brady. He does not have the accuracy and the placement that Tom Brady does. So again, while he was getting settled in in that first half, we can chalk it up to week one mistakes we can chalk it up to you know not having the chemistry behind that offensive line yet. We can chalk it up to a good defensive game plan for Minnesota. And while all of those may be true, I do think people should expect some level of uh, human error from Baker Mayfield because he can right. look great in this system, but there's going to be a couple throws this year that, that he's going to want back. And we saw that abundantly in the first half. I mean, Coke Keeft had three targets that, you know, t- I felt like two of them could have been touchdowns if the ball was just placed correctly. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to take some time, but you can agree, Evan, that, you know, as far as inconsistencies go, it's still it's still a building process over the next few weeks. And and again, just to hammer point my home, Baker Mayfield certainly is not the greatest of all time.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think we're the, Brady was so good at obviously dissecting a defense, right? He knew you weren't going to fool him. It was rare, right? It was rarely you were going to fool him because everybody always said, you know, he knows who's getting the ball before because he knows exactly what defense they're in like he knows who's going to be open to where and when and yeah like look there's a reason Tom Brady's considered the greatest quarterback of all time and Baker Mayfield's playing for his fourth team in a year like there is a reason there will be times where Baker Mayfield makes some boneheaded plays this season. And there will be times when Kyle, you know, the Kyle Trask fans will be saying, see here, you know, Kyle Trask and this and that, but there's also going to be times, I think. And there, look, there was times like that on Sunday, like there, he misses Coke Keith, you know, for a touchdown. I mean, I know Coke Keith getting a target of all people, wasn't great, but he's wide open. You, you got to hit that ball. Well, not just I one mean, target,
1: not just one target for Coke Keith. I mean, the yeah, first I understand half, that, but like the he team was wide open
2: he, yeah, he, he was wide open there, though. Like, yeah. you got to hit that ball. Yeah. That's got to be a touchdown. You know, that's that has to be six. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there was there was a few other plays where like. Yeah, it didn't look good. Like he was, I think Baker before that drive before the second half was three of twelve passing. Like it just, it wasn't that good. But you got the other side of Baker as well. So I like, I just think this is what you're in for this season. You just hope that again, just like Gene mentioned earlier, you hope the turnovers are limited because that's been an issue with Baker here in the past. So and if he can limit the turnovers and just be, I know it's a boring thing, but kind of be like this game manager that just doesn't make the crucial mistake, right? Don't let you be the one to lose the game for the Bucks. And I think if Baker Mayfield can do that over the course of the next 16 games, he should be in okay shape and the team itself should be in okay shape. The only worry I have is that he has proven that, over the course of 16 games, he might not be that guy all the time when the Bucks may need him to be.
0: Yeah. I, I do want to jump in here real quick, just based off what you were saying. Um, body of work, I mean, from Pittsburgh's the Pittsburgh Steelers preseason game till now, have you haven't you guys noticed how the offense does not look lost when they come on the field? If you compare the last three three seasons maybe four seasons there's always a miscommunication somebody's tapping their helmet Mm -hmm. somebody there's a miscommunication on on a pass uh somebody runs the wrong route something something just off has happened with the offense and we haven't seen that with dave canales to the degree that we've seen it over the past few years and that in itself gives me hope that this they've simplified this offense to the point that people can come in. You've got undrafted free agents, you've got rookies that are coming in and they're able to come in and contribute right away because this offense is simplified to the point where they can play off their strengths and they can make it work. So, to me, that gives me hope. Again, and I say cautiously optimistic, these are the kind of things that I see that really give me that.
1: Yeah, and and speaking of week 1 mistakes, you know, as far as that inexperience factor or guys just looking lost on offense, like you said, Uh, I think the best way that this Buccaneers offense operates is when none of the players on the field have to think too much. Like, Baker Mayfield, when he has to think a lot about what he's doing, he's not the best quarterback in the league, as we have seen. Uh, We saw it catch up to the Bucs one time, and and Todd Bowles had to burn that time out to avoid the delay of game. That was kind of a fumble, but... You know, it is what it is. Stuff like that. We can either blame it on in experience, we could blame it on week one. It's a it's a multitude of different things, but it is what it is. And obviously they're gonna learn and try and get better from it. But as far as where they were and what expectations were, kind of like what you said, the gradual improvement that they have made since that first preseason game definitely gives me hope that they are building things in the right direction. Uh, also, just one more shout out to quarterback Baker Mayfield. For those who did not know, uh, he did bring home the angry, uh, angry runs scepter, courtesy of Kyle Brand on Good Morning Football. So bringing home the hardware to Tampa Bay following his very first regular season start. That's great. Uh, one more position group I wanted to talk about on the offense before we look at the other side of the football, because I feel like the defensive conversation is a little more open and shut just because of the experience factor that we've talked about so much tonight. But I wanted to ask about this tight end room, and I had seen this brought up by Kelly in the live chat. By the way, shout out to everybody hanging out with us live. Richard T. on the West Coast, our buddy Mikey Kelly, Evan Blythe, Willie Beeman and the Mod Squad holding it down. G Vegas said, unfortunately, some jerk just opened up his door not paying attention and scratched his car while G Vegas is picking up his kids. So he is incredibly heated right now listening to the podcast. But we appreciate uh, appreciate you taking a couple of deep breaths and hanging out with us here on this Tuesday night. So back to Kelly's point about this tight end room. Following the common theme of inexperience, this has got to be uh, one of the youngest tight end rooms in the NFL, uh, led by Kate Otten, second-year tight end. You got Payne Durham, who is a rookie, second-year tight end Coquivt, who did not look his best week one, but also got some interesting looks and stuff I wasn't expecting to see uh, to start the game. And then if I'm not mistaken, Josh Wells or David Wells is that final tight end. David Wells,
2: Josh Wells was the,
1: was the attack. Yeah, was was the flex tackle that not a lot of people liked. Um, yeah,
0: David Wells is the pitcher for the Yankees.
1: Are, are you? I'm just,
0: I'm just joking. He's, yeah, I'm he's pulling joking. he's pulling
1: double duty. He's a two sport athlete now, suiting up at tight end for Tampa Bay. That
0: was um, years ago.
1: But this is an incredibly young tight end room, and again, you know, w- we haven't not said this about any other position group on the team. Uh, but do you have any concerns because? You know, I I think as far as blocking goes, there were definitely some things left to be desired. You know, you do not have the presence that is Rob Gronkowski or even a player who just has the experience like Cam Bray. Like, I know he wasn't known for his blocking, but he was a staple. And in a tight end room like this, he was going to be your tight end one no matter what. And you kind of don't have that guy anymore. So that lack of a veteran presence in the tight end room, is that going to be a concern as the year goes on? Uh, Evan, I'll let you get this one first.
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe a little bit. I mean, the Bucs tight ends really didn't give you much. Kate Otten was the only tight end to have a catch. Two catches for 19 yards. Coach Keith, obviously, with three targets. but And Kate Otten could have had a bigger day had he not dropped that one sort of down the seam there. It would have been about 15, 20-yard gain. I do think, like, a lot of the team, it might just take some time. Like, you, you might have your answer after week seven or so, like, of what this tight end room will be, but... You know, I Kaden sort of started slow last year too. Like he, he sort of came on, I would say more towards the second half of the season. So maybe he's just a guy like that. Maybe that's where he's going to be in his career. Maybe it takes him some time to get his feet wet. You got to also remember everybody, everybody is learning a brand new offense. So that includes the tight ends as well. So while there are young players, they're inexperienced and they're learning a new offense. Kate Otten only had one year in the Bruce Arians slash Byron left, which system now he's going to a whole new system where they're going to be asking the tight ends to do some different things. So uh, I do want to see Kate Otten uh, get more involved. I don't really care to see cookies. I, I I don't know why he got three targets. Now I know a lot of people blame that on the offensive coordinator at the end of the day, like the quarterback sort of dictates where the ball goes at, at more times than not obviously Coke, should have had a touchdown at Baker Mayfield does hit him there. Um, but like, I am looking forward to seeing Kate Otten more and more, because like I said, he, he was an impact player for the bucks down the stretch for their offense. And, uh, I do think he has not like star potential. I don't think he's ever going to be a top five, maybe not even top 10 tight end in the entire league, but you can't tell me he can't be a serviceable starting tight end. So I am looking for a little bit more. I'm not hitting the panic button yet though on the tight end room.
0: All right. Um, I'm I'm right there with you, man. That that you pretty much summed everything up for me. Um uh, I'm not worried about these tight ends. The tight ends were not as much of a factor last year just because of the way that that offense was schemed. Uh this year I think the uh the tight ends will be able to contribute a little bit more. And I think these are both serviceable uh tight ends uh from last year. And again, it may take them this season, maybe next going into next season where they really didn't get as much play as they should have. And the problems that we're seeing with the tight ends, or we, we consider concerns, are all coachable. Nothing physical about these guys. These guys pass the eye test. They can. We know that they can catch the ball when it when the time comes. It's just getting consistent, getting these guys in here, and um, you know, getting them acclimated to this new offense. And I think that's the key right there. Is because again, this is the first game where we've seen all the starters together. So uh, this is a good starting point. We know what we've seen from them, and we know what our expectations are as the as the season progresses. So all we're looking for now is market improvement. Next game when they go out, we got to see more from them, and that's kind of where uh, that's kind of where I, lo- I I look at the the this team as a whole. Mm-hmm. So wherever I'm seeing holes, I'm not seeing anybody outside of Logan Hall that I consider somebody that just is lost in the sauce. Everybody else that I've seen is somebody that can physically go out there and play. A lot of it is getting coached up and, and being put in the right position, but I just haven't really seen a whole lot of players on this team. I think this is a very quality team, and they're going to surprise a lot of people just uh, just with the level of talent that they have.
1: Yeah, it's funny because we talk about these young position groups, and one of the things that is going to come on strong with this coming up season, when you have as young of a tight end group as the Bucs do – Experience for those guys is going to come fast and furious. They're going to get more reps than they ever would have if they had some veteran taking up the snaps ahead of them. So the development for guys like Co Kieft and Kate Otten, especially this year, I I really think is going to surprise people. Definitely the latter in Kate Otten because you know, like we mentioned, he came on strong last year when the Bucks needed him too. The Bucks were at a point last year where it's like, all right. We're running, we're running out of guys on this offense who can step up and make a play. And, and there were a couple of games where Cade yeah. Otten was that guy for Tampa Bay. So hopefully this year we can see a little bit more of that. I, I know Canales was criticized for a lot of the early play calls, you know, going to Coquie. He trusted, he trusted his guy. Right. But it was an interesting look. And, like, if Baker just made the throw, I don't think we would be criticizing those play calls nearly enough because mm. I... Uh, of all people did not expect to see Keefe get three targets in the first quarter of the game. And I don't think Minnesota did either, although they did have a good defensive game plan to shut down the bucks in that first half. Let's talk about the other side of the football though. You talked about the defense and you had mentioned Logan Hall. I want to get to that very shortly, but before we do that, your thoughts on this defense overall looking back at 2022, I, I will put this on the record. This is my opinion I think that 2022 Bucks defense is way better than they're ever going to get credit for. They kept the Bucks in so many games and they simply lost because of a piss poor offense, a historically bad offense. I mean, one of the worst running games in the history of the NFL, like literally statistically one of the worst rushing seasons of all time and a you know the rest of their offensive unit just could not figure it out down the stretch. It is what it is. It played out the way that it did. The Bucks won eight and nine. The rest is history. But the defense week one, we talk about building something to set up where you're going to be for the rest of the season. Doesn't even look like they missed a step. I, I know that first half, you know, zone coverage could obviously be a nitpick if we're going to talk about how Justin Jefferson, sometimes guys like KJ Osborne were just running around wide ass open. But for the most part, the turnovers that were produced you know the 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 fact that this defense proved to me yet again that with an offense that may or may not be better they can still play well enough to keep this team in the game and and that's going to take the bucks a long way this year i think but you know aside from a couple of depth issues and again i want to get your thoughts on logan hall here in a second but what do you think of the bucks defense after their week one performance is that to me? Yes. Or,
0: yes. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, adjustments. There's, there, there's that word again. Um, I, I, love what, um, I love what Todd Bowles has done with his defense. I feel like he's a little bit more confident. Uh, when you look at what special teams, I know we haven't even talked about special teams. Special teams in the offense did throughout the game consistently. Um, it gave him the confidence to call the play, co- to call the game, Like, and and just kind of lean on his defense and and not have to worry about anything. Um, Antoine Winfield Jr., incredible play. Um, uh, who is is Izian? Is that Christian
1: Izian, another undrafted free agent who, you know, a young guy who earned his spot?
0: Yeah, youth right there. Um, uh, uh, we look at some of the players, uh, Vita Vea. Vitaveo's balling out. I mean, you know, uh, eating double teams and stuff like that. JTS was was getting, you know, he was getting pressure on the quarterback. Just guys that you're expecting to, to make plays, they're making plays. I know a lot of guys are, and I'm going to say this because my view on defense is a little bit different. Sacks are sexy. I love a sack. I love seeing sacks on ESPN or, or whatever. But if you're pressuring the quarterback and you're making the quarterback consistently uncomfortable throughout the game that's a little bit more important to me than a sexy sack I I, again not taking anything away from sacks but there are going to be plays that are being made that you can't actually put a, a statistic to so I love what the defense has done uh Kurt not my cousins he just basically the guy you know he was getting rushed he was getting hit he was getting touched and uh, you you saw it with the turnovers, and so uh, I think the Bucs went out. The Bucks defense went out and did what they had to do, and I think they were a key contributor to uh, the Bucks win on Sunday.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously. Defense basically keeping them in the game with, with the three turnovers. Uh, I mean, things could have really unraveled, but not just the three turnovers. Uh, the Vikings were up seven to three. They went down into the red zone and down inside the 10 yard line. They had to settle for a field goal. I talked about it on the post game show. I think if it's 14 to three, I think it's a whole different game. I, I really do think it's a, a different game. I think the entire game turns out differently. The Bucks probably lose. Like, you know, and then not to mention Christian Izzy and, you know, taking three points, at least three. Points off the board. They're literally taking it from KJ Osborne. Um, and taking three points, at least three off the board from Minnesota. And in a three-point win, pretty critical points there. So, and Anton Winfield's turnover also set up the Bucks' first, you know, three points of the game. So, yeah, the defense really deserves, I would say, you know, we talk about the offense a lot and, and everything, but I would say the defense, while they gave up a lot of yards, they did give up a lot of yards, they bent, but they didn't break. And they were able to force turnovers. Now, is three turnovers in a single half is that sustainable? Probably not. So, like, yeah, they are gonna need to play better over the course of a 17-game season. But for week one, you know, they got the job done and they gave the offense as many chances as possible to go out and win the game, and the offense rewarded them with that. So, um I am pretty encouraged by what you saw, and it's you know, that's the reason why like people are saying, Oh, the Bucks are gonna go two and fifteen, they're gonna go three and fourteen, stuff like that. It's like Okay, with the defense, you know, the offense could like before the season, right? The offense right, could right. have been the offense could have been a disaster. Like the offense could have been an offense of a three and fourteen, four and thirteen, whatever team, right? Exactly. But the defense just was going to be too good. Like, everybody knew that. Like, the defense on this team was going to be too well, good. Well, didn't too, every, too did everybody that. know that? You know, all the people picking the Bucks to only win
0: one no, or two I, games. You, you, you have to say the people in the Bay Area. In yeah, the, yeah, in yeah the I like Bay Area. Go, let's, go. Let's, let's put it that way, because yeah. anybody outside of that, three-letter network, four-letter network, they've got narratives that they're working with, and, you know, I don't want to even get into that. But I didn't mean to cut you off, but it just no, it frustrates yeah, yeah. me when I hear that, when I see the Bucks are thirty-two, listed as thirty-two in the power rankings by certain people because they don't know anything about this team.
2: Yeah, so. no, and I mean, and just the, the defense was. Like and honestly, I, I think this is going to be the script for like a lot of the the Bucks games this season. Like defense going to probably have to keep them in the game a little bit. Like the offense might sputter at times. Defense hopefully can create a turnover or two that jump starts them, and then at the end of the game, you have know, the Bucks end up on top by you know four or five points. I don't think the Bucks are. I don't think the Bucks are going to be blowing many teams out this year. Like they're just, they're not equipped for that, but that's okay. Like you don't have to be equipped for a 30 point blowout, you know, three times a year. So I do think that the defense got the job done. They did the job and there's the young players like Izzy and stepping up and, and JTS. And I actually thought, you know, Logan Hall, he made a play on Sunday. He had, he 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 had, the, he had the one run stuff um, that 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 he was able to do, and uh, you know Vitevaya down the goal line had nice run stuff as well. So I thought the run defense w- was good. Vikings pass the ball a lot, like I said, a lot of yards. That's a pretty good receiving core that the Vikings have, obviously Justin Jefferson being what he is. Um, you're not going to stop him. I I said that even before the game, like you no. just hope to contain him. You know, you're not going to
0: stop that's him. That's it right
2: there. Yeah. It, so, I mean, you know, he, he got a lot of yards, but he didn't find the end zone. It had 150 yards, no touchdowns, and that's, that's what's most important.
1: Yeah, we knew he was going to eat. We talked about it on the game preview show. It, you know, it, would you rather have Justin Jefferson with 150 yards Or Justin Jefferson with 45 yards and everyone else around him having 100 plus yards. That's kind of the the conundrum the Bucks defense found themselves in. But Gene, two questions for you. First, our buddy Richard T. all the way out in LA wants to know where can I get that shirt you're wearing? For the people who are not watching us on YouTube, Gene is rocking a custom Buck around and find out shirt.
0: Uh, I got this on Etsy, man. I just happened to be. I was looking. I was getting my stuff ready for Gasparilla. And I just happened to put in Buccaneers, and this shirt came up. I was like,
1: "Oh, I gotta have that!" So, definitely unique. uh, So, let me ask you another question. Uh, Logan Hall, you said earlier he is lost in the sauce. Do you not have high expectations for uh, the Buccaneers' 2022 draft pick?
0: I I am trying to be to not be a hypocrite, but um, with JTS, when JTS came out, a lot of people weren't happy with the pick. Uh, He was getting close to getting home. Getting pressure on the quarterback just couldn't quite get there. The next year, we saw market improvement. What I've seen from um, from Logan Hall, when I've watched him, he's been getting manhandled. Just it doesn't matter who it is, tight ends. I've seen tight ends do it. Uh, you know, seen offensive linemen do it. Um, I think the one play that you mentioned was the exception, not the rule. But mm-hmm. if you go back and just watch his play, yeah, uh, I mean, just you know, randomly pick up plays that he's in. Uh, he's not. He doesn't have the burst. He's not moving offensive linemen. He's not. Um, he's not making any impact on on a rushing attempt. And the goal this year is get home with four. Mm-hmm. It's gonna. That's that's gonna be the key to the Bucks being successful in a lot of games. Get home with four, and I just don't see um, Logan Hall as part of that equation right now. Again, this is his second year. Um, I always give people three years to get an idea of what they what they are. One year might be a fluke. Second year, maybe um, you you look at the the behaviors of that player, and if they if it kind of coincides with the previous year, you you know he's trending upward. But if you have a guy that's just continuously getting manhandled, he's like it's like his heart isn't in it. I don't I don't want to say that, but what it looks like to me, where he's just getting moved around. Yeah, and that is frustrating for me. There are other players that. Could have made this team that you know are sitting out because this guy was drafted. So again, he's got to he's got to do better. You've got to see market improvement throughout this season. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know that's just kind of what you get. But yeah, he did have that one tackle for loss. Yeah. But was that the exception or was that the rule?
1: Yeah, with the youth movement mantra the Bucks are gonna be following this season, guy like Logan Hall certainly gonna get the reps that people have been mm-hmm. looking for, Absolutely. the ones that he didn't get last year. Uh mm-hmm. he will be heavily involved in that rotation and hopefully he can make some more plays. Cause like you said, I, I think personally, I think he just needs the reps. Like he he really wasn't on the field last year. Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't. I don't know what his 100%. Snap count was. And again, the that, that's
0: just like my first observation. Yeah, Anytime no. that I've seen him I, I just haven't seen the burst. That was like that tackle for loss was like so. Like, okay, here we yeah. go. I I could see that, but it wasn't uh, consistent. So again, you know, three years. I always look at players. People are like, oh, he's a bust. His rookie year, he's a bust. No, you have to give him time to to progress, get it, get acclimated to the defense, and get put into positions when they get an opportunity to make plays. They have to make those plays. If not, you kind of add that to the behaviors that you've seen, uh, you know, consistently. And that's kind of how you build your idea of whether he's going to make it or not.
1: All right. I wanted to save this topic to wrap up this week's show. And I know it's going to be a heavy topic. And Gene, I haven't heard your opinion too much on the matter. Mike Evans scored a touchdown for Tampa Bay. First one of the season against Minnesota last Sunday. Uh, scored that touchdown, noticeably did not celebrate at all with any of his teammates, ignored everybody, walked to the sideline, sat down. Now that part I'm not worried about because a lot of people know based off of common sense, Mike Evans is in straight business mode this year. You know, he he made it clear that listen, if the bucks do not want to sign this deadline or they don't want to sign a contract by the deadline that his agent set, then he's going to focus on playing the best ball that he can. And regardless of a couple of drops week one, Uh, he went out there and did that. You know what I mean? He went out there and I think played to the best of his ability for sure. Um, But one, do you think this mentality from Mike Evans is going to become an issue at some point this season? We talked about it on the last show. I want to get your thoughts. Uh, The Bucs have yet to name team captains. Still no official team captains on the team. Mike Evans has been one for the last four years. So is that going to potentially be an issue? And uh, in your opinion... Should the Bucs pay Mike Evans at the end of the season?
0: Um, and I'm talking as as a fan. I'm going to say yes. Uh, I, we've seen he's consistently been that guy. Whether yes, it's they the James should pay. Him,
1: not yes that it's going to yes, be an issue you, later yes. Yes, you it.
0: need you. We need to pay him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, he is the face. He is the face of the franchise. And and again, I'm just saying this as a fan. Mm-hmm. I understand this is business. I know somebody's going to come in the chat and say, but what about business? No, I'm talking as a fan. Um, if you're a season ticket holder, that's the guy you're, you're coming to see is Mike Evans. You know, you're not coming to see some other guy that they're bringing in off the street. You're coming to see Mike Evans. You've got a guy who's the greatest offensive weapon the Bucks have ever seen. I've seen Kevin House. I've seen Keenan mccarthy I've seen Joe Jereviches. I've seen uh James, Wild- or James Wilder. I've seen all these players. And when I look at Mike Evans, uh Vincent Jackson, Mike Williams, RIP to that Mike Williams. And, um, again, nobody stands out like Mike Evans has. Mike Evans has deserved this. I understand how the contracts work and you um, – you know, where he's, you know, giving up money to where – he's gotten the money on the back end, but he's made the sacrifice at that time and uh, helped the Bucks to bring players in. And he's done that on multiple occasions. I mean, he's just been the ultimate – team player. And I can't even talk about, I can't even begin to talk about what he's done, what he's meant for the Tampa Bay area. And so I factor all that stuff in. And I say that to say this, the guy has not let up. I mean, last year he played, he balled out last year and no injuries. He he was healthy. He was taking care of his body. He was a, you know, he was a factor. I mean, I remember this guy sitting here talking to the quitter uh, in the New York Jets game trying to calm him down mm-hmm. and and just the, the leadership that he has, I mean there's they're just I guess there's so many different things that I think of when I think about Mike Evans and I am wearing a Mike Evans jersey or a Mike Evans t-shirt every game this year uh, just because I support the man that much and uh, again, the bucks need to pay him. I, I, I would make the exception. you look at some of the people that they've overpaid at times. And when you look at Mike Evans, Mike Evans, statistically, um, and you know what he's meant for the, uh, you know, the rest of the uh, community, uh, you you have to pay the guy, but I'll get off my,
1: no, by, by all means, keep going. But, but I do agree. Um, I'm glad that you highlighted that you're looking at this from the fan perspective, because there's always going to be two lenses you can wear when looking at, the business that is the National Football League, and you're going to have your opinion as a fan. You're going to have your opinion as someone who's like, listen, from the point of view of the general manager who is now paying the bills for putting together the Super Bowl roster. You know, for for unfortunately Mike Evans, who now is just a victim of bad timing. Like I think two years ago, the Bucks would have certainly got this deal done. Um, I think if Mike Evans Evans said this on the last show, I think if Mike Evans is 29 years old right now, uh, the Bucks may have gotten this deal done by now. But the Bucks should pay Mike Evans. And as a fan, it disappoints me the very real possibility that this could completely sour the relationship between Mike Evans and the bucks on the way out. You don't think so? I mean, I don't think it's going to be like a Calvin Johnson, Detroit type thing. Don't get me wrong, but I would hate for him to look back at his potential final year in Tampa Bay and be like, I can't believe that team did that to me, you know, because like a player like Jameis Winston has that chip on his shoulder. He's been vocal about that. He's like, I can't believe the bucks did that to me and I'm never going to play for them again. Not to say Mike Uh, Evans would be vocal about the same things, but in his own mind, he has to be thinking that, right? If the bucks do not pay him, he's probably got to be thinking in the back of his mind, like, damn, I did all of that for this franchise and uh,
2: they didn't want to pay me. Mike Evans is the highest paid player in Buccaneers history. Um, The bucks have paid him plenty. Um, (laughs) So like I am I'm 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 going to I'm going to use the word, right? I'm going to use the word that that, that gene is there right? At the end of the day, like this is how Mike's going to look at it. like it's a business, right? So like this is the team that drafted him, like this is the team that he won a Super Bowl with. They've given him two contracts. Like one of them was a huge contract. Uh You know, I know the restructures and everything, like everybody says, oh, he's done so much. Like, yeah, the restructures, like, sure, like he has done a lot to help them. At the end of the day, they're not pay cuts, though. Like, he's not taking less money, he's just getting in in a different way. So, like, I don't think Mike Evans would look back on this and have any ill will, you know, towards towards the Buccaneers. At the end of the day, it's a contract negotiation. It's not like, you know, Mike Evans was lied to by the Buccaneers and the Buccaneers promised him he'd get a contract. Then, when it's time to do it, it's nowhere to be found God. right oh. um but That's at the end, end of the day like the buccaneers Sorry, and, and i and i agree i i, I agree with gene i agree with, with with red i agree with probably most of the people in the chat like i think the Buccaneers should pay mike evans still like i i think it's an easy decision at the end of the day though i i do also think the bucks are maybe smart to, to just look out and see just how this season goes could be a transition year could be a big transition year for the bucks now They're trying to pay off that Super Bowl bill have a lot of players that up in the air, right? Devin white, if he continues to perform the way he did in Minnesota, like perhaps he is getting that big contract. If he doesn't, maybe you don't. And that's not on your books. Like I think the bucks are trying to figure out who they are as an organization first, before they want to commit to Mike Evans. And I I understand that the frustration that fans have, I I get it. Like I, I really do. And like I said, if it was up to me, like Mike Evans would be signed right now, but at the end of the day, like, it is, it is a business, but, like, there should be some exceptions, just like Gene said. But I, I don't think the way the situation's playing out, I, I don't really think um, Mike Evans is going to have any ill will. Now, it could have if he decided to, you know, hold out or if he decided to right. skip skip practice or training camp or said, I'm not going to play games. Then you're getting into that territory maybe where like that situation could be sh- sour and that would be a real shame. So thankfully Did it's you, not going down that route. Could you compare this to Levante David? How they let I, Levante I, David I test think it's, the market. Yeah. I think it's similar. I think it I think it is. I think the Buccaneers want to see what uh thirty one year old Mike Evans' market value is gonna be versus the other NFL teams. Well, it, and it, then we'll see if he can come back to Tampa. I think that's the way the Bucks are looking at it.
1: And just like every other big name free agent they've had over the last couple of years, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Levante David, they let all those guys test the market. And mm. you know, I know Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, they came back on team friendly deals, but even those guys, you know, Levante David probably went and checked out the open market.
2: Yeah.
1: It Chris Godwin, like res-
2: Carl Davis, like, happened.
1: With, with all due respect, yeah. maybe they were surprised that, hey, these other NFL teams just don't hold as much value or this isn't the payday you were potentially looking for. Um, so I, I do Access. think that ultimately, I do think ultimately the Bucks are going to get Mike back. And I think this is going to play out something like that where he does get the opportunity to talk to, uh, talk to some other teams, you know see what kind of offers he can get. I think the bucks are going to bust their ass to get him back from, but from the business perspective, from the team building perspective, I, I will put a bow on it with this. The bucks are just looking at the other pieces. They're going to have to pay and Tristan Wirfs, Antoine Winfield, Jr. Chris Godwin, I believe next season.
2: Well, it would be worth and Godwin would be 2025. Yes. uh,
1: You know, those three players alone, are close to forty percent of your payroll, and for the Bucks, unfortunately, <laughs> right. this season uh, they have forty-two percent of their payroll taken up by players who do not play for the team. Russell Gage, Tom Brady, and Ryan Jensen being those players. So for Mike Evans, if the Bucks were not in the situation they were now, I think that contract would have been signed. But from the team-building perspective, the 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 pieces that have yet to be paid for the Bucks. You're gonna you're gonna count on that youth is more of a sure thing. I think the Bucks are much more comfortable paying Chris Godwin twenty plus million dollars a year at this point than potentially Mike Evans after this season, and that's unfortunate because again, as a fan, Mike Evans deserves it. Mm. But from a team building perspective, I, I think the way that this plays out, if you're the Bucks, you're either gonna have to wager bets on riding it out with Mike Evans for the next couple of years, which is a very strong uncertainty or you're going to rely on the youth of a guy who's a couple of years younger and Chris Godwin, who I think, what, just turned 27? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, and what's
0: what's intriguing here is historically, if you look at the Bucks going back, let's go back to the 80s, mm-hmm. they have never had a roster this loaded with this many uncertainties on who you bring in. I'm, I'm even talking about the uh, original Super Bowl team. You look at this roster – And they're continually, because they've done well with drafting, they've done well with free agency. You're continually having to look at these high salary guys, try to keep them here to um, keep this team whole Mm -hmm. and uh, fans. We haven't, we've never seen this before. So this is, (laughs) you kind of have to trust the process and hope that that's what we're, we're, we're looking at here is a general manager that will bring the best of the best in and, make it work from there.
1: Yeah. Usually in the era of bad teams, you've got one or two guys on that team who you really (laughs) got to worry about come contract time. You know, the cycle of players in and out, Hmm. you never have talent build up to that level to where it's like, man, now we got five guys on this team. We got to figure out how to pay. And all five of them could potentially break the market that they are in.
2: Uh, But Evan, your final thoughts here on the Mike Evans topic. Yeah. Back in 2018, there it was easy to resign Mike Evans. Like, you know, it, it was easy to to resign. you know, Mike Evans and easy to resign sign Ali Marpet to a new deal. And let's re-sign Adam Humphreys and Cameron Bray. And let's, you know, because you're right. When you have a bunch of pieces, when you only have four or five pieces you want to keep, you can afford to give those four or five pieces pretty much whatever they want. So, yeah, um, and, and ultimately, though, I just wanted to piggyback uh, off of what you said, Rhett, where, like, this is way too early. We have an entire football season to get to. And not only an entire football season, basically almost an entire off-season uh, frequency period to get to, but I do think that ultimately it's going to be a very, very stressful time and nerve-wracking time for Bucks fans, but I do think Mike Evans probably returns to the Buccaneers um on a two- or three-year deal I would guess to finish his career in Tampa, but I do think it's going to be a couple of very nerve-wracking weeks uh, in frequency for Bucks fans, but I do think just like Levante David, you're going to see all the things, oh, Mike Evans testing the market, team x is interested in mike evans team z is interested in mike evans and then i do think mike evans ends up returning the Bucks. like i said could be wrong a lot a lot a lot can happen in those what how many months it is but um i, I do think at this moment right now if i had to completely guess uh, i'd say mike evans probably coming back although it wouldn't like would if you tell me mike evans is playing for another team next year i don't think it's preposterous Right, because I mean, we've gotten to this point now. Like, it's he is going to hit free agency. Like, it, I think it's going to happen. I just think he's probably going to return it to him.
1: I would be nauseous to see him in a Giants uniform next year. Uh, Evan thinks throw. Mike will be back. I think Mike will be back come free agent time. Gene, what do you think of Mike Evans? Will he be back?
0: Yes, he has to be back. He is a Buccaneer. He's yeah. nothing else. If nothing else, he's a Buccaneer, and it's the the only way that you can look at him. Uh, just like Levante David. No, he's a Buccaneer. Okay. And when you look at Warren Sapp, even though Warren Sapp was in a Raiders uniform, Warren Sapp is a Buccaneer. Yeah. Rondé Barber, great example. Buccaneer. It's the only way you can look at him. And that's kind of how I look at Mike Evans. And what he's done, he spoiled the fan base for 10 years just with his play. So, again, he he will be in the ring of honor. Whether people like it or not, he's going to be gonna up be, there. He's going to be
2: in the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, he's going to be in <laughs> Hall of Famer. He will be. So, um, you know, I, I trust Jason light. Um, again, if you guys don't, you know, people that are listening first time you see me, is, is Jason, mean, light, huge...
2: Jason lights first ever draft pick, though. first ever yeah. draft
1: pick. Yeah.
0: Uh, Jason light is my guy. Uh, I've been through so many horrendous general managers in my bucks fandom here. And I, I can tell you, you know, between Rich McKay and Jason light, um, everybody else is trash. And that's just my personal opinion. Um, I, I love Jason Light and what he's done, and, and you know the help that he's had with Greenberg, and you know that staff that he has there to really keep this uh, cap-friendly team and not have us kicking the can down the road like the Saints.
1: It's funny yeah. too when you think about you know what people were saying online about Jason Light four, five, six years ago. Uh, you know every other week it's hey fire Jason Light, this guy has is, is really done a number on this team, and uh, here we are a full Lombardi Trophy later, but. I've lost,
0: I've lost like 10 followers on my podcast because I would not badmouth Jason light. I'm like, I don't, yeah, some you got to trust the process. So some, some I don't know what want to hear it, man. Yeah. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what his picks are going to turn into right now. We have to look at his body of work at the end of the day. Like I can, I can tell you that Mark Dominick's a bum. Sorry. I can say that. Um, uh, Bruce Allen is a bum and you know, I can say that because you can look at their body of work and tell, but right now just what, what Jason light has done, it's
2: my guy. I yeah, talked to well, him and, in Germany. And, like, and and if if Jason Light deserved it, you would say he's a bum too. Like yeah, if, if he if he absolutely. deserved it, yeah. like he doesn't yeah. he doesn't deserve it. Like is there bad moves? Yeah. Like guess what? every nfl gm has bad moves like there there is there is no gm in the nfl that's hitting every draft pick every free agent they sign is not going to be a great player like every big money contract every re-signing that they make is not going to work out look at ryan jensen i mean obviously it didn't work out because of injury things but that re-signing if jason light had a a magic wand that could go back in time he wouldn't sign it like it is what it is like you can't predict who would you replace jason light with yeah, I mean it's right. not not an easy not, not an easy uh not an easy uh question to answer. Yeah. Uh before we go, we did
1: mention it briefly, but Richard T brings it up in the chat. Rest in peace, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer Mike Williams. We we talked to you guys at the end of the last podcast, and I know that the update we had at that time uh was that he had been taken off of life support and was yeah. breathing on his own, but unfortunately his family confirmed this morning that the thirty six year old former NFL wide receiver, passed away due to his injuries uh, from the job site. So incredibly sad. You know, we we talked a lot earlier this week about the memories that both Evan and I have watching Mike Williams. You know, that 2010 Bucks team, man, his rookie year, that's one of my favorite Buccaneer teams of all time. I mean, you know, the Tom Brady era stands alone. Uh, the 2002 team obviously going to go down as – one of the best in franchise history, but not a lot of people look at the good that Raheem Morris, Josh Freeman were able to do with, you know, guys hmm. like Sammy Stratter, uh, Mike Williams on that offense. He had like Garrett Blunt Williams out of the backfield to keep to leave still very much playing well. Oh, God, who else was still on that team? I That was before Mark Barron, but I'm trying to remember who else was in that second Gerald
0: McCoy was on that team, I believe. Yeah, but, Gerald
1: you? McCoy's rookie season in 2010. I yeah. think Cody Grimm might have still been on that team. LeGarrette either. Blunt. Yeah, that was the breakout year for LeGarrette Blunt, too. I remember yeah. Cadillac went down, and we got to see him go in yeah. there and just rumble and tumble his way to a couple of Super Bowls with New England as well. So good for LeGarrette yeah. Blunt, but incredibly unfortunate loss. Uh, gang or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we remember Mike Williams, but Gene, I do want to say thank you for jumping on the podcast with us this week, man. It's always a really good No, Thank you.
0: This has been so much fun. I love talking football and love talking football with friends even more. So I appreciate you guys. And you know, I will, I hope to see you guys when I'm there for Gasparilla and yeah, you know, it's going to be fun. Definitely be fun. Yeah. hundred Shout out to the, Crew of Santa Margarita.
1: Yeah, there you You go, got to do the thing. Got to get you down to Tampa more often for sure. It's always a good time talking ball with you. Just such an organic conversation, and we appreciate your company. This will not be the last time this season that we talk to you either. Uh, Maybe we can answer some calls next time we have you on. But, folks, if you are not aware, uh, where can they find you and your content?
0: Um, You can go right over here to YouTube. uh, Buck what you heard. Uh, Be sure to check me out. Uh, definitely, uh, I will be doing phone calls this this Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, and uh, I welcome everybody. I mean, regardless if your opinion differs from mine, it's a safe place. Uh, we've got people from different NFL teams that drop by, um, you know, and, and just, you know, give their opinion. So greatly appreciated. And, you know, I, I think that's what fans need more so than anything. And instead of listening to a three-letter network, four-letter network, they need to be able to, give their opinions like we've seen in the chat. Um, The chat has been amazing, by the way. Everybody in the chat, thank you for contributing because it's made the show fun. And uh, I appreciate you guys as well. But yeah, uh, just buck what you heard. Come and check it out. Get comfortable. I'll have some beers. You know, we'll have a good time.
1: Yeah, Gene was on our best behavior for us tonight, he said, (laughs) so no beers. But uh, hopefully we can crack open a cold one or two after the next Buccaneers (laughs) victory that we have you on. Uh, our buddy roach fat in the chat brings up Aurelius ben man just another name from oh, that yes. roster he was underrated he was a stud he was
0: just always injured and i think that was yeah. the that was what hurt the most is that we saw the we saw what he could potentially do but he just stayed hurt all the
1: time yeah when he was on he was on man but after that season he just couldn't stay consistent uh follow our podcast on social media facebook instagram and twitter all of those are cannon fire podcast best place to go for updates on the show and of course tampa bay buccaneer news as it happens speaking of bucks news as it happens you can follow my co-host evan on instagram at bucks underscore daily you can also find him on twitter at evan nfl and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. what have you got dropping this week
2: Yeah, obviously going to be uh, taking a look at the the Davy Jones locker Q&A with the Bears uh, site manager as well. Going to be previewing the the Bears game and also going to be doing the X Factor for the game. So like which one player is is key for the Buccaneers to be able to secure the victory. So keep an eye out for that.
1: Yeah, be on the lookout this week as well on our podcast feed. We are going to be talking with our buddy Ryan from Bears Talk Underground for a little collaborative, you know, appearance game preview kind of deal. Just something extra we'll do for you guys this week. And then uh, be on the lookout for our Week 2 game preview on Friday. That should be live, I think. Not 100% sure yet. Last but not least, you can find myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But that's the show. Thank you once again to our special guest, Gene Thomas, from Buck What You Heard. I'm your host, Rip Matthew, signing off with my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, go Bucks.